So, Dave, what are we doing here again? Yeah, I mean, like, you... why why did you call us here? What's the emergency? You you guys have seen the the new Lord of the Rings stuff, right? Well, yeah, yeah. You guys seen the Aragorn card? There's something about the art that I, I really feel is like important that we need to bring up. We need uh, to talk about. I, 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 I don't know, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> like a, nobody nobody wants to hear us talk about that. You you've you've seen the card though, right? You yeah, know, the, the yeah, one yeah with, we've with seen Arrow the card. You seen it? Yeah, yeah. How could you not seen the card? They're wed. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's, yeah. But did you see the problem with the card? I, I'm just gonna I, go. I'm just gonna go. Yeah, man. I I gotta get a tooth pulled. Like, I, and honestly, that sounds like more fun. So I'm yeah. a very hardcore player, man. Tolkien fan, very hardcore Tolkien fan. You didn't see the problem with the card. He's wearing plate armor. There is no plate armor in Middle Earth. It never has been. It's all mithril. The dwarves make it. Maybe you heard about it. We're thing in the Mike Mora. Frodo. The world mithril. It's standing stand by the troll. They don't wear plate armor. Come on. Welcome to Magic Proving Grounds, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that broadcasts from your local game store, the Tri-County Landfill. Here at the Tri-County Landfill, cards are cheap, so long as you're willing to come on over and unbury the deals. I'm your moderator and host, Dave, and with me we have Ben. I I love how the uh, proving bit gets longer and longer every single time. That one's been in the hopper for a minute, because... We've been Eventually, it's just going to be the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. like we are just here to hear Dave do a proving bit, and then yeah, that's me. And then there's other Dave. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what you guys and, doing? Hey, week? just uh, just wait until the One Ring ends up in a landfill. Oh, <laughs> that is. I want to know the fear. calculations on this. Don't ever tell me the odds. Speaking of the One Ring, I guess we can just go right into that, huh? Nah, you guys don't want to talk about what you what you've been up to for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, playing a lot know. of Commander. Let's move on. Seriously? Yeah, but <laughs> no, yeah, no yeah. we're you not moving pod. on from that. Hold on here. <laughs> Look, okay. So people come in. They have pod. They have three people. So I like. Oh, okay. I'll play some Commander with you guys. It's actually a lot of fun playing with people. I would just prefer to be playing the uh, other things. I play can't a lot of modern. believe. I cannot believe that you've been playing Commander and you refuse to play Commander with me. I'm trying to get you to play Commander with me forever. <laughs> and you're just over there playing Commander <clears throat> all willy-nilly. I feel like I'm being cheated on. It's very upsetting to me. Did you ask Dave for pointers at least? Did you like turn to, to your wealth of knowledge and resources here for Commander and say, teach me? No. Make me your no. Padawan? <laughs> I will I mean, be a Padawan I, learner. I'm not very good, so maybe don't come to me for advice, but you can uh, still play I mean. with me. Well, also, um, I just use pre-cons, so I seem to do pretty well. They're, those pre-cons they make are really good. They are pretty good, most of them. Some are hit or miss, but the ones I've got are pretty good. I think everything that's not New Capenna and maybe Kamigawa since um, Midnight Hunt has been good, like very good. Has there ever been a pre-con that was better than the rats pre-con from the original Kamigawa? <laughs> that is a that was a cool deck. I mean, um, the one with Skull Clamp in it and Mirrodin was pretty good, but that's just because it had Skull Clamp in it. I do think it was an affinity pre-con, if I remember right. 
Well, I, I think maybe the infinity part was the part that was good, not the skull clamp. Oh man, skull clamp really speeds up my sacrifice ravager deck. I mean that that whole deck was out of control when it came out. Yeah, I miss those decks. I don't because uh, we played with somebody that would not play with anything but a powered down version of that deck with the togs instead of ravagers. It's all they'd play. And you're just like, uh, but why? <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs a little, um, how do you say variance in their lives? Some, a little uh, bit of variety, fresh variety. Oh, it feels like a pretty bad version of that deck. Oh, it, it, it but it would, it was a fling, fling, a tog, a fling, a tog, fling the, a tog. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm like, you're like, I'm familiar with the deck. I know who exactly you're talking <laughs> about. Uh, it's just, it, uh, if you're not going to use the Ravager, why do you even play that deck? Ravager was expensive money. Yeah, uh, the, other thing, the other thing is that with Affinity, it's like, if your plan is to fling in the Tog, like, I feel like Affinity is like, more powerful than just flinging in a tog, you know? Mm-hmm. Well. Personally. Like, you can just attack and just destroy. You don't even need the tog. It's like win more kind of thing, right? Yeah. I suppose. I don't know. I just I mean, that- there were multiple bannings because of Affinity, if I remember correctly. Didn't they have yeah. to ban the Artifact Lands from standard? Artifact Lands, Skull Clamp. Uh, there was another one, I think, I feel like. Yeah, who yeah. Was, yeah, specifically they are, and those are still like banned. Um, like they kind was of it st- disciple of the vault? And modern. Yeah, uh, disciple of the vault. Yeah, wild. Those were wild times. They were good times. I don't. I. I have fond memories of the standard right before that, because that was when I made that cycling deck, and I was just yeah. trucking people. But also, I. I I have fond memories because I did well during it, and I really like that deck that I built inside that standard. I hated that standard, though, because it was, uh, even before Affinity came out, it was all Goblin bidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The block uh, right before Scourge Onslaught. Yeah, version. it was all just Goblin pile drivers and Goblin Sharpshooters and Patriarch's biddings. Mm. What a unique thing. They only printed creatures in <laughs> Legion. It's like only creatures. What a unique, crazy thing. One of the most printed sets of all time, actually. People really loved the uh, the Legion for drafting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Anyways, let's get on to, uh, you know, stuff about magic that's more recent than 15 years ago, eh? <laughs> okay. Stop uh, reliving the glory days. Uh, the glory days. Can't believe you're being converted to commander. No, no, I'm not converted to commander. I just play oh, this is how it starts, though. This is like you've been infected. The oil's there. <laughs> you're 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 basically a Phyrexian. Okay, that's how I have to treat you now. <laughs> you're getting all greased up. It's getting there. But, okay, so maybe not commander, but what about Oathbreaker? Now that it's an official, I'm using air quotes, officially supported format. So that's the one where it's 20 life. And what was the other stipulations? It's 20 life. Your commander has to be a planeswalker, but you get to select 
a signature spell to go in the command zone with your commander and it has its own commander tax attached to it. So you can cast it as many times as you are willing to pay the, the tax for it. Um, you know, and it's casting cost, obviously, just like your commander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's a 60 card singleton. And that's it? 60 no. cards. That's right. Okay. 60 cards total, 58 in the deck, and then your commander in the signature spell. In the have commander. you ever played Oathbreaker? Uh, I have not because nobody wants to play it with me. It's I like, it's faster than Commander, right? It's supposed well, yeah, to be faster. It's supposed to be like forty five minute. I don't know, Ben. Why don't you ask your new Commander friends? <laughs> I probably will actually, because if I can get it moving faster, that'd be that'd be good. Yeah, I don't don't have three hours to sit here and uh, twiddle my thumbs while I, everybody else is moving. <laughs> I think even if it's, I don't think it will stay faster. I don't, I don't see that happening. Hmm. I don't know. There's a well, since it's been announced. There's been a uh, a movement on Twitter to try to break the format and kind of bring the competitive nature of uh, CEDH to Oathbreaker. And I think is it gaining traction? I don't know because the existing Oathbreaker community kind of seems opposed to that. So yeah, hard to say how it shakes out. Well, I think those things are just better off casual. I mean, yeah, I know everybody's it's like, you I mean, know, nature for people to compete. I mean, I'm not trying to hate on anyone's preferred format. If you like Oathbreaker, that's great. It's just, it doesn't seem like it's for me. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. Uh, it's just a lot easier, like, when you got a bunch of little kids that want to play Magic all together, but they right. don't want to wait around. It's a lot easier just to be like, well, we'll just play a multiplayer game, and then everybody gets to do something. All the time. Right. That's that's why I started playing, and those are like my pod is all my kids who are willing to play command. I mean, yeah. I've played a lot of four player games before Commander was around. Get that old Star Magic going. Yeah, uh, people always used to hate me, but Gosh, for some I, reason, I can't imagine why. It's probably taking over the game. You know, you you never want to be the villain of the game. You know. Yeah, I think also I was the only person I think who was ever running Wrath of God. Well, that's just on them. You got to run removal, buddy. Like, yeah, that's just how it is. No, not in Commander. We didn't have. We didn't play Commander back then. Oh yeah, sorry. You were there. You played in a yeah, lot yeah, of those I, games. I got confused. Are you? Have you been I drinking again? <laughs> I got stuck in a stasis coffin for a minute. All right, mm. so. Oathbreaker good, maybe, possibly. We'll I see. think that it's cool that it's a air quotes officially supported format. They said they weren't making product for it. They're not planning on um, sanctioning any events, but they wanted to bring attention to it because it was a format started by a charity that helps um, underprivileged kids get access to magic cards so they can have like magic clubs. Yeah. Um, in their communities, that's so that's why they kind of like chose to focus on it and say, "Hey, this is an official format." So, yeah, I think it's a really cool story. I think uh, it's cool for there to be as many formats as they have a player base that will engage with it for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Un- unlike Pioneer, 
Yes. Uh, I bet the air freighter community is bigger than the Pioneer. I, uh, how would you figure that out? That, that is a good question. Okay, you guys chat. I, I guess you would like take a poll and be like, hey, do you have a Oathbreaker deck? Do you have a Pioneer deck? And whatever percentage <laughs> of Magic players said yes to. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's probably not. I don't know. If you're talking paper, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Probably more people have Oathbreaker decks. That's just sad because uh, you can't just buy an Oathbreaker and put it together. That's true. You can just buy a Pioneer deck. Well, technically, if you have a standard deck and you throw a card from Return to Ravnica Ford, it is now a Pioneer deck that is not, you know, banned in Pioneer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fair. I don't know. I, I would, okay. I mean, in that case, I have a Legacy deck. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. technically, I have a Legacy deck, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I, I let's move on. I think we spent some time on Oathbreaker. Yeah. Um, let's let's get back to the one ring that we were interrupted from. Yeah. Because uh-huh. spin throwing commander out there like it's uh, all casual and stuff. But how do you one, guys? How do you guys feel about the one one ring? Oh, uh, when I first saw it, I, I was a little salty that it was uh, indestructible. I get why it's indestructible mechanically, but you were not just a little salty. To be clear, I, okay, uh, I, we, you were you were railing in the chat. I was I was, um, a small heap of salt salty about it. Yeah, uh, but I did say that as long as Mount Doom exiled the one ring or exiled artifacts or something that I would, I would be okay with. Uh, you said that oh, after Lord. I said that you would be upset if uh, there was something that removed it. I think maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but, but yeah, well, as we've come to discover Mount doom, uh, does a thing. If you sacrifice a legendary artifact into Mount yeah. doom, uh, so, Fits the flavor. I'm no longer that salty. But, <laughs> you know. Eh. Let's let's talk about the real flavor win for the One Ring, and that is the one-of-one one serialized, uh, mm-hmm. written in uh, Black Speech, foil collectors, one, the One Ring. Let's talk about that for a minute, because, ooh, that's so good. Do you think it serves Wizards of the coast better if uh, no one ever finds this card? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, because I think that it serves wizards either way. It's like a neutral if it's found or not, because people are buying packs. They're going to be buying packs until there's no packs left, and then it's found. And if it doesn't, then it's always going to be that thing that's like, you know, it's still out there. It's the, um, I think you brought it up on a podcast a while ago, the uh, comic books with the special cover uh, yeah. in the the opaque bags that people still sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the of- ultimate comics that still has the vouchers left in it that get you signed Stanley books. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it'll end up being something like that, that 
you know, it could be in here kind of kind of thing. So my thoughts are when people do like these promotions like this with like just one of random chance of getting, do you think that they kind of stack the odds for them for it to be found or not? I guess that's what it boils down to is, is so if it's found, then people well, stop that's, buying That's kind of what I was set, asking. Right? Yeah. If it's found, people stop buying the set as much, right? Because they're not chasing yeah. that one card. I, see, I'm not quite... I think there's a, a fine line out there somewhere. Because I don't think it can go too far either way. I think if it if it's three years from now and no one's found it, people are going to stop buying packs anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the hype cycle can only last for so long. Yeah. At some point, people are going to assume that someone pulled it and just didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the scariest version of this, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody like plays with it unsleeved. <laughs> yeah. That's so, shudders. That's shuddering. I mean, I doubt there's very many unsleeved players out there who are buying collector's packs. But like, you totally see you know, a casual fan being like, hey, we gave one a collector's pack and then not knowing what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or actually the real horror story is, hey, I got this card. It looks pretty cool. And then they give it to like a shop owner or something, and then the shop owner's like, "Oh, I'll give you fifty bucks for this." Right. That's like the real like. Ugh. Still salty about that Sarah Angel, huh? No, it was a City of Brass, but yes, you got the um, Sarah Angel. No, no, it was a Sarah Angel. That's right. Yeah. But I think there's also there's there's a lot of horror stories that could come out of this. You know, like imagine it goes to a magic store that shuts down, and it just ends up stuck in their inventory. Waiting for yeah. bankruptcy court to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> well, uh, and then, it probably won't be bankrupt after it's found. I'm just gonna say that people's got bounties on it already for outrageous well, sums. What if they don't know they have it? What if it's just sitting there in their packs? Nah, so true. If, if a company were to try to stack this in a way that like increases the chance of it being found, do you think they would do it in like the first run of the um, printing or? They, they've already said Second that run, it's, maybe, it's or... only going to be in the first run of the printing. Oh, okay. So they, yeah, they, they have already clarified the first run. all of the serialized cards are in the first run, period. After that, there will be no serialized cards in further printings. Yeah, the um, first run makes sense, I guess, logistically, but I don't know. They, I mean, if they've announced that, then, you know, two or three years from now, people are going to be checking um, you know, hey, can I see the date on that box or can I see the numbers on that box? Because they'll be able to tell if it was a first print right. or a second printing, which is going to get wild. Yeah. Uh, personally, I would like it not to be found at all. I think that would be absolutely flavor win and hilarious. Yeah. So what do you think of the nightmare scenario that one of the people who's promised to like burn the card on YouTube gets it? <laughs> I don't care man you know it's just a card i like i'm not my question is is their youtube career worth a million dollars because i mean i don't know that that card will go for a million dollars but it there's only one and as far as i know that's the only time they've ever printed only one of something right Uh, there's a lot of edgelords out there saying they're gonna destroy it yeah, everybody's there's, a, there's a lot of Desolator MTG fanboys out there. As long as they build like one of those science fair volcanoes and throw the card <laughs> into it. Hmm. 
everybody's going to throw the ring in the, the volcano until they have it. That's how it's going to shake out. Huge flavor win. I'm telling you, man, this f-ing card is just... This card... Oh, if I had this card, I'd like it. That's what I would do. I, I also think there's a high probability chance that if someone does pull the card, you still don't hear about it for oh, yeah. a period of time. Dude, if I pulled that card, I don't f- tell nobody about it. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, this is going into, I'm getting a, I'm getting this insured. I'm putting in a safe deposit box. I'm not telling nobody about nothing. Yeah. But I would hand it, deliver to the grader. Yeah. In case you know, yeah, it, anyone out here and the off chance this happens to you, the first thing you should do is call a lawyer and get a chain of custody. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then real. get your chain of custody order, get your insurance, drive and get it graded. Don't yeah. don't put it in the mail. Don't do anything. Drive it to yeah. a grader. Yeah, good advice. And then stand there while they look at it and slab <laughs> it. <laughs> yep. Record the whole process for real. All right. So that's the one ring, singular yeah. copy. Yeah, literally, the, just the one. They'll have a, a bunch of different, um, like there's a bunch of different arts for it. Not a bunch, yeah. but but this is the special one version that's serialized yet to yeah. clarify just to be clear there will be plenty of other copies of the ring the one ring that are mechanically the same they're just not going to be in this special serialized printing do you do you think if in a later print they reprint the art but don't serialize it that devalues the card mm, not really but i don't know why they would because to be perfectly honest it's not even written you like you can't read the card. It's it's like not playable. It's not like right because all hard. of the full art cards that people play with, the magic players really worry about whether or not their cards are legible to other people. Lightning bolt is different. You know what I'm saying? The like, <laughs> how many things does that f-ing card do? Like three? Like yeah. I'm just saying, it's 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 not a fun time. Nobody's it's, it's not path to exile. Is what you're saying? Yeah, it's not. Oh, I know what that is because of the because I I've been hit with a lightning bolt six thousand times in my career as a magic <laughs> player, or I've been path to exiled a kabillion times. It's the one ring you're like you bring that to the table for like a commander game or whatever. You're not going to be well loved. Can you imagine if the person who got the one ring actually played with it? You blinged it out and put it in their commander deck. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, I got the best version of each card in my commander deck. Boom. And like slams down the f- one ring, serialized one ring. <laughs> I oh, mean, boy. That would be wild. Be some straight Chad shit. That'd be hilarious. So Mount Doom does, in fact, destroy the one ring while you uh, sacrifice it to Mount Doom, which is great. It. Yeah. Very flavorful. Because otherwise, it's not destroyed, right? It can't be. Yeah. It can't. I like it more elegantly than saying, uh, "Destroy the one ring," you know, or mm-hmm. um, you know, "Exile the one ring" or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's to say, just sacrifice, and it's better that way. I like it. Very cool. Well, do you, do you want to talk about the last Lord of the Ring things and then move on? Sure. Might as well I just gotta, talk them right down. Yeah, might as well. Gotta talk about my boy Grand- Gandalf the Grey and how they released his uh, his uh, art part his card yeah. that has is art he, on it. He's colorless, right? Because Grey is kind of colorless. Well, Feel dry, we're kind of gray. <laughs> Somebody said he should have been white and black. 
It's a troll. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah. No, he's blue and red, and that's garnered some discussion about what people think he should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, well, he's he should be white, white because he's all about the community, maybe green. And frankly, this is my rant for the for for the podcast. He's blue and red, like hands down, because everything like his whole purpose for being in Middle Earth and Earth, according to the lore, is to push people to deal with Sauron. His like he's like, that's his goal. Deal with Sauron. That's why he's there. And everything he's everything he does is to push that goal forward. Like all of the Hobbit is literally Gandalf's plan to deal with the dragon Smaug. Um and yeah, put I, the put the dwarves back in Lonely Mountain so that there's a power in that region to keep Sauron from gaining a foothold there. Yeah, and, and I, I I also I feel like the way just the way he carries himself, the very mm-hmm. chaotic but also like mind gamey way that he mm-hmm. is constantly kind of manipulating the pieces around him is is big is it energy. Exactly. He's like straight up idiot shit, right? It's like Yeah. Like everything's just this Rube Goldberg machine where he's like, I'm gonna push this ball into play, I'm gonna push Bilbo out this way. You know, like I don't know, man. I think it's perfect flavor when, but people on Twitter disagree. So maybe the real moral of the story is I, I need to stay off of Twitter. I think the, the real moral of the story is that people shouldn't take their lore so seriously when it comes to the color of the card in comparison to the way he acted in a book. Well, that's the thing that got me, because when I seen him originally, I was like, blue and red, what? And then I'm like, well, what color is he? Because, like, I don't know. I've never been the person that tries to smash characters into to magic lore and mechanics. Yeah. But, like, the more you think about it, like, it's straight is it shit, right? Like, well, it is. I, I, I agree with you. I'm on the same page. <sighs> Glad somebody finally agrees with me. So yeah, uh, Ben. Now that you've seen some of the spoilers and stuff, what do you what do you think about this set in relation to um, what you had originally predicted it to be, which was uh, Modern Horizons three? Oh yeah, they actually came out and said it's not Modern Horizons three. This just has some modern cards in it. So I don't know what that means. That's the big question. Is this like a like a commander set? Sort of. It already seems like some of the cards in the previews are more I, focused towards Commander, but are we going to have the mechanics and things that are of the power level of modern? Uh, I, I assume I don't know why so. They've, how much? Like how how ridiculous is your fan base that you have to come out and say a set is not Modern Horizons three? I, I think the big thing is that people are upset every time a Modern Horizons set comes out that they have to then buy more cards for their eternal format. Like, they have to return over all oh, their Oh, God forbid you have to buy cards to play Magic. <laughs> the fucking terrible that Wizards seeks to run a business. Look, man, yeah, I get if it. you don't want to buy cards, Epson can hook you up with an alternate solution. I, I like, but I, I mean, just literally because the actual words that they said mean nothing. But yeah, so, like literally every set that's not Modern Horizons three is not Modern Horizons three. You don't have to clarify. <laughs> yeah, the true. fact that this one's called <laughs> Universes Beyond Tales of Middle Earth 
kind of indicates that it was not Modern Horizons 3. <laughs> right. right. Like, they should, like, at this point, just put it in parentheses at the end of every set. In mm. March of the Machines, Aftermath, not, a, you know, uh, brackets. And then in brackets afterwards, not a broad Modern Horizons 3. Like, everybody gets a third subtitle. <laughs> Um, okay, so they're, they're, I think their thing basically says, like all universes beyond product, the set will not be legal and stat- standard, but modern and historic legality provides the greatest community opportunity or opportunity for most people to experience this beloved world while still holding standard as its own space. While the set isn't mm-hmm. focused on modern like a Modern Horizons set might be, we wanted to give as many players the opportunity to play with these cards and enjoy them. I appreciate that um, they're trying to release sets into uh, supplemental sets into things that are not just legacy because it goes into legacy. And if you don't play commander or popper, you don't play with the cards because nobody plays legacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. saying, Hey, just so you know, if you want to, you could play modern. This is a modern legal. If you want to play modern. It's historically right. go if you want to play historic. Do you think any of these cards make an impact on modern? It depends on what the mechanics are. So that um tented by the ring we don't know too much about. Right. I mean that if that's powerful, it, it will it will show up in modern, I think. D- does it matter though? You could play my fing uh Bilbo Swaggins modern deck. Uh will tented by the ring. Become the new initiative. Right. That's the other question. Are they going to have to ban some cards? Look, they're not going to have to ban it from... um, I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say they're not going to have to ban it from Legacy, but it's also legal in Legacy if it's legal in Modern. So I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) Anyways, probably not. I don't know. I don't... Just hopefully it's not the next night-day cycle that you have to track... The entire game, regardless yeah. of whether you have a daybound card on the uh, yes battlefield or not, you're, the game is only ever going to continue to get more complicated. I feel like, yep, it, yeah, obviously, but you could make it complicated and not convoluted. Yeah. I feel I like, all right, guys, uh, start get the tempted by the ring abacus out. It's time <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The, the, the and you have to have the official wizards abacus too, otherwise. And don't worry though; you can get it from your shop on uh, LGS Game Day if you spend seventy five dollars or more on Sealed Magic product for free. Yeah, is that your prediction? That's my prediction. Yeah. So the other question I had is like, Commander Masters is also right around the corner from the Lord of the Rings set, and it seems like. Like the one ring, it seems like that's more of like a commander thing, right? Um, and I know they'll print commander stuff in every set because they always do. But I, I think the one ring is a pretty good card in a vacuum. I mean, maybe it is best in commander, but yeah, I could see it in certain archetypes. Maybe not competitive play, but you know, casual play. Yeah, I mean, like people are saying, Karn Wishboard. You wish it up, and then you have protection from everything until your next turn when you can pop off and do your... Right. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. 
I but mean, the other part with the draw cards, I mean, it does seem good. It just seems like slow, like too slow for modern to really get that. Yeah, it's too expensive. That's the big yeah. drawback for for the older stuff. The uh, one ring getting Karn banned would uh, be kind of funny. <laughs> it would be. This so, is yeah, the it, thing that got Karn banned. So I guess that's just my question. Like how much of the set is going to be kind of commander focused with the you know, Commander Masters coming right around the corner. Buckle yeah, up, kiddos. We're all Commander sets now. Yeah, it's probably Basically. all about the power level of the set. Even though that, if it's powerful enough to break through into modern, that's what it'll be. Yep. If it's if it's not, it'll just be Commander stuff. I, I just personally don't want, like me personally, I don't want Modern Horizons 2 to be now obsolete because of the Lord of the Rings set. Like what happened with Modern Horizons one? There right, were I want it to be obsolete by Modern Horizons three. <laughs> I don't want that either. I want them to, you know, instead of like Trump design, I want it to be linear, like um, you know, non-linear. You know, like but a, if the cards aren't more things. powerful than the older cards, what's the incentive to get them or play them? Where's yes. the fun in in playing with new cards if the new cards aren't good enough to actually be played with? That's that's the hard balance of being a magic designer, I'm sure. Horizontal, man, just more options. You know, it's not as it's not better than Merktide, but it's different play style than Merktide, so you don't have to. I feel like there's a way you could do it. Instead of going up, you just go out and get and expand options and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, See, I I think that's harder to do than you think, though. Yep. <laughs> oh, I know it's hard. This is why I don't do it for a living. <laughs> All right, and then the other thing, I'll just go ahead and throw my last thing on here the, over the last few weeks. Um, I can't make heads or tails of what the March of the Machine Aftermath quote-unquote set is going to be. Like, what? what is this? Do you guys have any clue? Like, I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Judging by the uh, logo art, it's a 90s comic book crossover. That's all I've got. <laughs> So obviously it's like, hey, like the epilogue to the story, right? Like that's, they've said that much, but why, what is it, 50 cards? Why just 50 cards? Like they have a whole product line for the, for like 50 cards. Yeah, I don't, I'm hoping that uh, maybe that it's less like card related and more story related like they just want to have like a short epilogue you know like you have a big huge season and then you have like a lot of times you have like that 30 minute kind of cleanup thing Mm -hmm. in between seasons or you have you know a a teaser trailer for the next season or like a a little like wrap-up party where you have the cast show up and talk about the roles for a little bit and, and like maybe they're just doing like a small story thing that's my hope is that this is lore focused or driven by whatever happens yeah but I, I i'm not sure they've said that this is yes okay i i, I think i so. think so so but what's weird is okay did you have a question follow-up to that well i was just if it was yeah they said it wasn't i was gonna be like maybe this is yes new. it is standard it's- legal you will not be able to draft it though yeah, because well, yeah, there's ah. only 50 cards. How are you going to stop me? 
there, there I, might be a I do what um, I want. <laughs> so here's the other weird thing, and I'll tie it into the draft thing. Um, each booster pack contains five cards with a combination of one to three cards of rarity, rare or higher, and two to four uncommon cards. Every pack has a traditional foil. There could be one or two of them. Anyway, so is this something that they could possibly do a um, like a draft supplement to? Remember how they used to have like dual drafts and set drafts and like how they used to do drafting when it first came out? Block drafting or whatever? Mm-hmm. Is this is it possible they could do like a March of the Machine? Like, hey, you get your six boosters for um, March the Machine, but you also get one of the Aftermath that you can use. I, I don't know if that's where they're going, because it does specifically say non-draftable. So, I, I or like sealed. That. I guess a sealed way is what I'm describing. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's interesting. I just don't know what I want. I, I'm very interested in this because of it's so different and unique. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I don't know. I'm hoping the fact that it's coming into standard kind of precludes or prevents my idea, which is new format, new play style, our uh, resurgence of uh, plain chase. Yeah, because that's coming. Type gameplay. I do want to see them experiment with stuff like this, like Mm -hmm. try different unique release things. Imagine if they released a block like slowly over the span of four months, or like a like set. If they, if they like split a set in four, and they were like the first part of the set comes out in January, second part like almost like a TV show release schedule or comic yeah. book release mm-hmm. schedule or something. Be interesting. I don't know that it would work, but I, I'm all for them experimenting and trying new ideas and see seeing yeah, yeah how I, it plays out. I am really interested to see what this turns out to be because it, it could be complete garbage and it could be amazing. And I have, it could go either way. I have no idea. <sighs> I'm willing to bet that it's going to be money grabby probably because they're selling collector's packs with this too. Right. Um, let's see. They are selling. Yep. Collectors bundles and uh, boosters. How you 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 make a bundle for a fifty card set? <laughs> Some repeats, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, quite a few. Do repeats. you think it will be cheaper? Unlikely. Um, I actually don't know how many I, how many is in one bundle box, like or I, um, one. I think that it'll technically be the same price as a standard booster pack, but you're only getting five cards, so you're, you know, cost per card higher right that's what i was i i think they have to make it a little bit cheaper because there's less cards in it i don't know man i think it's going to be the standard booster pack price um so it says here uh 24 boosters per display so Mm. um that that's less per box and there's only five cards per so because set set displays have 30 packs it's 30 now yeah, Probably. draft is 36, set is oh, okay. 30. Okay, set. Okay. Missed that. Yeah. Hmm. A 15 I mean, again, price. they could cost the, those sets could cost the shops less allowing them to sell them for less per pack. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Like, yeah, I, think, yeah. 
I think putting out something cheap, like in between blocks, but where it's just like the buy-in is so low that it, it's like, okay, you know, it's a 50 card set. It, if the packs are two or three bucks a piece, why not buy a few of them? Right. Well, yeah, that would be, that would be probably a good marketing, you know, to have different varying prices, you know, I I just don't your... see it to be honest. I don't see them selling it for less than a standard booster pack price. Uh, I think they have to. But I, I mean, I guess if, if right. every pack has a guaranteed foil or showcase in it, maybe they don't have to. Maybe their maybe plan is to try and lure people in with that guaranteed. Put this on the whiteboard. <laughs> I say cost of a standard booster pack. Other Dave says lower. We're going to make see if this comes true. So I put it on the board. Here's the thing. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Their packs... Yu-Gi-Hoo? The booster box of Yu-Gi-Oh! has two hundred or two, 24 booster packs and the number of nine nine cards per pack. I don't really think you can just compare it to a, a totally different card game. Well, yeah. I guess my point is that Yu-Gi-Oh! sells. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're thinking, you know, hey, we'll try this with smaller cards and see what happens with like a a mini set or whatever you know yeah. what i mean just to see i, I feel like, like they have just created market. an expectation already of what their oh, yeah. stuff is worth so they need to they need to address that expectation even if you're guaranteeing me a foil or a showcase card if you're only going to give me five cards even though really you're you're not probably you're not giving me what 10 commons but i'm probably just going to throw away anyway or yeah. that have no value anyway, for the most part. Um, so it does look like some of Yu-Gi-Oh! stuff does have five cards, and then there's like four ultra rares and one secret rare. So like those are stacked with certain certain things, which that is not the case with Aftermath, it looks like. Look, it does man. have more rares per pack, I guess, and that's why they can justify having it normal booster price. But yeah. We'll see. I think what you're failing to consider with Yu-Gi-Oh! is that their cards are physically smaller. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they are. Anyway, enough about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I did have another thing. I haven't read the story. Dave, uh, Superior Dave, have you read what's come out of the story? I have. So I was thinking the other day, the next set after Martian Machines is Wilds of Eldraine. Uh-huh. I wonder if it's like now it's wild, you know what I mean? Like it was pretty like wild was destroyed, before. and then now it's like more wild. I don't know. Like, well, I, I'm sure it's going to tie together, right? Like, this is probably not just a new, like, hey, we're going to go off here and tell a di- completely different story. I, I, do you think it ties them together? I, I wonder because they're also going to Ixalan, which was also revealed to be one of the planes in Planeswalker, right? Or in um, Martian Machine, right? Which planeswalkers from Ixalan? Uh, the Minotaur. Oh, I can't remember the name. Cause? No. Cause is from no. Dragon Lance. <laughs> Why? Um, Angrath. Uh, yeah, Angrath. I just he was on fire. That that's, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wasn't technically from Ixalan, but he was there on Ixalan. That's where we um, met him. Please don't forget. That Jace was on Ixalan too. 
Oh, nobody will ever forget Stripper Chase. <laughs> he lives in our hearts. I don't remember anything in the story about Ixalan yet. Okay, I could be I, wrong. I might have I could have read something wrong. I, I may not be remembering that part of the story. There's a part where they kind of are like, oh, yeah, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. And I, I've, I'm drawing some blanks on who, who all goes where. Mm. But I don't remember. That's why I was like, I, I bet if I knew, because for the most part, a lot of the times they were like, you're from there, you know the layout, you know? Oh, right, right. Yeah. Anyway. So I have a question for you guys. I'm curious what your answer is here. Okay. Do you think at this point it is better for Magic the Gathering to develop a cure to Phyresis or to lose all of the Planeswalkers that are currently Phyrexians? Hmm. My initial thought was, yes, I want those Planeswalkers back, um, but I think it's a more interesting story to... My question, though, is not what's better for the story. What's better for magic? Personally, I know you don't want to hear this because it's not what—it's not my opinion on what's better for magic, but I think at the very least, every single planeswalker that went to Phyrexia trying to blow it up like Urza did in the stupidest way possible needs to die or stay Phyrexian because, come on, that was some... Uh, even the ones who had not been turned, I know. You, um, even like even well, the ones that the one that got the ones that got away or whatever, then get turned, whatever. But like Jace, Verask, um, everyone Nahiri. else, yeah, Nahiri, everybody that got it. Now, oh, come on, man, there needs to be some consequences for some dumb shit. I think that it would be cool. Like I think I said this last time. I'm not sure, but if it was like a bad guy planeswalker versus good guy planeswalker story arc but um as far as for the game of magic i think that always having the the safe call and the safe bet even for your most beloved characters is can be detrimental over the long period of time to your um, brand and product so Uh sometimes it's good to shake things up like for example end game spoilers here uh, when they just like retconned the entire snap, like that salted me on Marvel movies like real bad, <laughs> you know. And I know that's anecdotal, but I that's shared with a lot of people that idea of like, hey, we're just going to time travel our way out of this. Was God like, damn it, dude! Ugh. I haven't seen Endgame yet. What the hell? That's why I said spoilers. You're supposed to shut your ears off. No, I'm kidding. But they did they did make up for it by having like a permanent uh, consequence. You know, so uh-huh. I don't know. I, I think I think it would be damaging to the brand for them to be like, oh, just kidding. They're cured. Same. I like I, the I just yeah, meaningful stories and meaningful like what's better for the story should be what's better for magic, because a lot of what makes magic interesting is the story. Uh-huh. And if you're going to be like, oh, so-and-so's a Phyrexian now. Oh, JK, now they're not anymore. Uh, Do you you have a time limit on this? I mean, look, like I said in past podcasts, my hope is that Phyrexia as a threat to the multiverse becomes nullified so that it doesn't stop existing but isn't trying to 
turn everything into a Phyrexian. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's that you have Phyrexians and Phyrexia as a, a place still exist, but also isn't an existential threat to everything. So it's that you could have Phyrexian planeswalkers and Phyrexian creatures, or you can go back to Phyrexia at some point. You know what I mean? Like a uh, a set that goes back to Phyrexia where they're still trying to suss out their civil war between the Praetors would be cool. Right. So um, magic is in its best if it never gets another new Jace Planeswalker. I'm surprised that you don't know this answer from me. Like, <laughs> Not so much your opinion of it, but like uh, of the characters. But well, So magic in the past, I mean, they've made an Urza Planeswalker well after his death. They just do it in like the supplemental sets and not in the main story stuff. So they still uh-huh. could print Jace's, but I mean, I'd like, be okay with the. What, what was the whole purpose of doing the mending if none of your planeswalkers ever actually die except Gideon? Rip. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they want yeah. they they did the mending in order to create stakes, so there wasn't a bunch of basically gods running around, and they could you know have real danger with their characters and be able to use the same characters beyond like you know from block to block to block. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like some point you just have to have an end game like event where just, you know, like a, like a snap style thing where it's like, oh, we just wiped out half of your favorite characters. And that reinvigorates like enjoyment in the story, you know, by like showing you that the stakes are real. And it's not like they don't have planeswalkers waiting in their wings. They were, there's plenty of planeswalkers they haven't been able to tell stories about because they're focusing on Jace. Uh, they're, they're focusing on the planeswalkers that sell cards. Well, yeah, but like, come on, Garuk sells cards, right? No, he's a badass. <laughs> I, I've never once heard someone say there's going to be a new Garuk card. I'm excited. That's, uh, that's well, true. You've never talked to me about Garuk. I, I think the biggest, the biggest hit to of, of all the planeswalkers that did get turned is in fact Jace. So let's use him as like a like a at worst case scenario measurement, you know what I mean? I mean, like, I think Nissa has a card. pretty big following too. That's true. That's true. I think those are the two big, I mean, Nahiri is, is big lore wise and story wise, but I don't think there's ever been anyone who's like excited about her cards. So whatever. Um, yeah. And Jace was like the poster boy for magic for years, right? That's yeah. the, the big thing. Fortunately. I look, I'm with, I don't like Jace as a character. He's boring as f- be basic. <laughs> but, like, in terms of the game of Magic, I, I think there are people who turn up for Jace Planeswalker cards. Oh, there are people who, when you say there's going to be a new Jace in this standard set, like, there are people who turn in just to see what the new Jace is. But do they like Jace because he's an interesting character that's cooler because he draws cars and does dumb shit? No, they like Jace because at one point he had a powerful card and he had cool art. You could make another Planeswalker that has powerful abilities and has cool art that's in blue. I mean... But that doesn't... That does not drive the price up beforehand. Right. Before you've even shown the card. It would take three to five years to be able to build a character up to that. Right level or longer you know hmm. so yeah i mean maybe it would but i would actually be surprised if blizzards wiped out five 
of their planeswalkers or whatever all at once. Yeah. But that would be very mm. surprising to me because of the financial implications to doing so. They, they, I don't think anybody's sad about Tibble, bro. Oh, yeah. That was one of them. But maybe or, more uh, than five. Yeah, Luca got it too. And uh, nobody was sad about that. Well, I think it's I mean, really at a this Johnny point, it, there's. Chase. I, there's Tybalt, a Johnny, the yes, yeah. There's the five for, that went in, and Tamio. So there's eight, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, sounds like a pretty good League of Doom to me. I'm telling you, man, they take over Phyrexia, and uh, new, new, new Phyrexia is going to be them <laughs> uh, civil warring with the Praetors to take control of Phyrexia. That sounds cool to me. Yeah, man. It was a mistake letting them keep their souls, man. So, I I can tell you what I want. Well, I want to hear what you want. But, so, I mean, for a story's perspective, I I want them to either die or stay Phyrexians. Yeah. I I think you take away, like, your big bad is not all that big bad if if it's not a threat. Yep. I want Jace to be the new big bad. That I want great. I want Elish Norn to die in this, and I want Jace to take over the yes. Phyrexian game plan. I'd sign on to that. I mean, I'd be okay with that too. So he'd be like Lex Luthor, where his his power is his super intelligence. Oh man, can we be bald? He be bald too, bald <laughs> Jace. That'd be hilarious. I wouldn't be surprised if the Phyrexians make him bald anyway. So yeah. Like well, some part of phyresis has to kill your hair cells, right? Like, yeah. I mean, have you? How ever, do have the hair follicles survive and I mean, all if that? Human genetics will do it. Then, how many phyrexians do you see with hair? That's a good question. Not I mean, many. Metal. Hmm. I feel like Nahiri's artwork had had hair. Yeah, true. But I feel like she's the only one I can think of. Like, I don't. I feel like the Nissa one had like metallic braids or something. Um, and to me, it just has that weird. Is it hair? Or is it a helmet? Whatever head. It was. I think it was hair at one point, but now it's just like a crow. Yeah. It's like a porcelain doll looking. The sleeper agent of Johnny had hair, but then the next time you saw art of him, he was clad in the uh, Phyrexian like armor. The Elish Norn mm-hmm. guard. Yeah. I mean, I guess you know his whole body is hair, so it's true. Like maybe shaven cat of Johnny. It all falls out. Why can I not find the artwork for the completed Nahiri? What the hell? Can't remember her subtitle. The Unforgiving. And she definitely has hair. Okay. It's just because Nahiri is like the oldest planeswalker that she's strong enough to keep her hair. Yep. That's uh, new MTG lore right there. It ain't falling out by now. It ain't falling out. I mean, I guess Vraska still has her snakes. That might count. Did she, did she not lose her hair, or did she never have hair? That's the. Hmm. She replaced her hair with snakes. They're not really snakes, though, because if you look at the uh, Phyrexian Arena art, they're like glowy probe things. Huh. Ew. Well, no, man. Being probed by Varaxa kind of isn't my thing. No. Uh, sounds pretty kinky to me. All right, so. Uh, before things get too weird, are we done? <laughs> you killed the it's, podcast. I suppose so, yeah. Okay. We, I wish you guys had read the uh, the story. I know it's, it's hard for you guys to have. Look, 
come to my house and read it to you like a bedtime story. <laughs> yeah, either either read it to me or watch my kids, all seven of them, for as long as it takes me to read it. I'm a very slow reader, and I'll get it oh, done. Oh shit! Episode five is out. Come, I think the whole story's out now. Come here, oh. Dave. Lay on my lay on your bed and listen to me tell you the story. Of oh, and Rex there is an Ixalan sub story, so they do go Ooh. to Ixalan. You were right. Nice. I, I have not read it yet, but it looks like it came out today. Oh, okay, maybe that's what I saw. Yeah. yeah. March, March of the Machine is Ixalan. We should just shoot a uh, episode of the podcast where it's me and Ben in bed, uh, Princess Bride style, and yeah. Dave reads the story to us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be golden. I'll I'll do I'll do voices in the whole shebang. Oh yeah. man, that'd be so good. And you'll do that quick cuts in in there where it goes back to us. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it goes back questions. to the story. So uh, I think what you'll have to do, you know, is like I'll have to be reading it, and then Ben, you'll have to be like dragging images up and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting thing in one of the side stories. Um, so if you are going to read it, I recommend reading or, or just one of them. There's a really, it's a really small part of the Ikoria side story that I think is going to play a bigger role in the story overall. Oh, interesting. So we could be heading for I guess I guess my big prediction I guess is that Wilds of Eldraine occurs in the aftermath of this and also the Ixalan expansion I don't know if that's much of a prediction but I don't think it's going to be separate it's going to thanks be like, Captain my, Obvious so, well what I mean is it's going to be connected but not a direct like continuation do you know what I mean like things that happened will affect the beginnings of the two stories yeah I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, it's less of a prediction and more of like a, huh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, I've read the first four and I have trouble believing that they are going to be able to wrap it up in five, but I suppose that's what we get a subset for. Yeah. Oh, man, there's going to be five stories for Aftermath. Brutal. And I, 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 I can dig it. I like long stories. So long as they're not... Land. As long as they're not Brothers War? Yeah, as long as they have some kind of meaning to the overall narrative. Yeah. This right. one is is certainly better than Brothers War. I have not liked it as much as All Will Be One. Or all what I would yeah. But it definitely has moments that are nice and cool. There's actually a lot of moments in here that could be big for the magic story. There's one in the the Strixhaven side story. Whoa, Strixhaven, cool. Yeah, that's the first side story. Huh? I said I just wondered if they'd ever go back there. It's kind of because I didn't read like we did the New Year's Eve resolutions podcast, and my resolution was to read more side stories. I still have not read the original Strixhaven side stories, so that one was very strange to me because I was like, <laughs> I don't f- know these people, <laughs> and they're talking to me like I do. Well, I didn't do. I didn't read anything about Strixhaven. They were like, it's Harry Potter, but magic. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> All right, I'm Ooh, gonna head out. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so we're gonna actually yeah. wrap this podcast up, or are we just gonna ramble back and forth again till sure somebody falls asleep? Sure, whichever you All prefer. Right. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up, Ben. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us on Twitter at MPG Pod. You can find me on my personal Twitter at Be Nice MPG. Where can they find you, Moderator Dave? They can find me on Twitter at Dave underscore MPG, I think. I don't know. It's in the show notes. I think that's it. I, I never I never at myself, so whatever. Uh, they can also find us on Twitch at Magic Proving Grounds. Where can they find you, other Dave? Uh, you can find me in Oria examining some orange crystals. Orange crystals? Mm-hmm. Orange? Like the fruit or the color? Uh, it is not a crystal of a fruit. Okay. Mm. Interesting. That's a day. That's his way of telling us we need to read that side story. Oh, is that is that what that? I think so. Hmm. Y'all get right on that. No, you won't. Guess I'm, guess I'm going uh, go uh, be upset about late armor by myself. <laughs>